to the Cultivate Network Podcast, where we're digging in, digging in on Christian living, leadership, and church planning. Here are your hosts, Jamie Couch and Anthony Waters. Three of the most deadly words ever been said. I don't care. Do you care today? The sure. way you're looking at me, I don't think you care. <laughs> <laughs> I you care, care that I care that you just judge me for not caring. That's <laughs> part of it. I mean, you got to be ready for that stuff. So, in the Thirty Days to Live sermon series, this was <clears throat> one of our next topics that we were going to talk about. Was the fact. That it's time to care. If you had 30 days to live, knowing everything that you knew, you knew you had 30 days left, where would your care be? Would you care about what tomorrow was going to bring? Would you care about uh, other things? You may care about where your financial future for your family would be, where your family would be taken care of, and that's all great. But would you care about those that were lost? knowing that you were a child of God and that you'd been saved and that the Lord had you in his arms and in his care. And you had the same outlook as the Apostle Paul, that to live is Christ, to die is gain, because you knew that there was a better tomorrow waiting. Would your emphasis or your care, would it then shift over to the ones that were hurt, the ones that were broken? Would you do everything in your power to share the gospel, to give of yourself for 30 days? that you had left on this earth. And if it was, then why aren't you doing it now? And if it's not, then it's time that you start. That's pretty strong. It's strong. What a tough opening. My goodness. I wonder how many people just turned us off. They just turned the podcast (laughs) off. (laughs) Boom. I'm done with that guy. (laughs) What's the next episode? Wait a second. Is there another podcast? You know, I mean, honestly, though, how many times do we hear this in our life? It's just every day. I don't care. I don't care. I just don't care. I just don't care. And, I mean, the society that we live in and the world that we live in today has, has nurtured this saying. And, you know, Anthony, whether we, whether we say it with our lips or we say it with our inaction. Yeah, boy. We, you know, it, it's still being said. It is very you know, Somebody may say, I've never said I don't care. I care. Well, our words, by our words we may care, but, um, but we're, we're called as believers in Christ to, to uh, love in word and in Deed, deed, Jeez. and in truth. So, so yeah, I think I think, think that so many of us. Um, and Anthony, to answer your question, I think that most of us will probably, if we're honest, will say, "Yeah, I think I should care a whole lot more about some things, and I should probably care a whole lot less about other things." That's so true. And um, I think it, it shifts the prioritization. Of, of, of what care. So being given the news. And so the <clears throat> sharing with the, with the listeners, when we opened up this sermon series, we prayed about it and we talked about it and we, we conferred about other sermon series that were more exciting. Yeah. that were more attractive. I will, I will say that I voted for another one. <laughs> <laughs> of course we did. But this one just really kept, um, you know, hanging out there. Like this is what, where we need to go. Well, um, and 
it's a tough one to lead the year out on. Most of the time you're opening the year with a new year, new you, or, you know, some other sort of, uh, you got 30 days got, to live. We open the year with 30 days to live. And as we open it up, and I just wanted to share this with the listeners, Anthony, um, we have uh, Rick, Rick Burke is, is one of our team members and, mm-hmm. and ministers at our church. And Rick is, is a key part of our ministry. He, he, he and, he and yep. Darlene and Kenley, the whole family. Yes. And, but, but Rick, um, he sent me a text message or a, a, a private message on Facebook the week that we launched the series. And he wasn't able to make it to the first week. And he asked me the question, um, where did you get this series from? And then I was like, um, where you, where are you going, Rick? <laughs> and then he said, no, no, no. What I mean is I know it came from God, but, but I need to share something with you about the series. And he sent me a picture that he had just posted in his kitchen. Um, and the, and the picture, it was a, it was a picture of a, of a, looks like a marker or something that he had written on paper. What if today is the day? Hmm, yeah. What if today is the day? And that's hanging up in his kitchen just for every day when he goes out to be reminded that we're not promised tomorrow. I'm going to live today like it's the last day and constantly reminding himself, well, he didn't know this series was coming up. Right. And so the, 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 the oneness of spirit just reminds us that none of us are promised to not, not even, not even another minute. And so, um, as Anthony led off the week two or part two of this, this sermon series last week with, with, I don't care. <laughs> It it really it really hit home. It hit yeah, home yeah. to a lot of us. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, it it hit me hard to, to even do it. And I, <laughs> the way I opened up the sermon last week is is I'm glad that we don't hand stones out <laughs> before we minister. <laughs> I probably hand stoned off off the platform before I could have ever got it all done. But I mean. I mean, this is something I think that we everyone should think about right. because, and, and even going into today's sermon as well, I think the two kind of mirror each other beautifully is that there's so much power in these words and in our actions that, you know, there's going to be a result. There's, uh, all right, let's put it this way. I think there's two results in this phrase that I don't care. Number one is it shows your, your unwillingness to do or help right. in any way, shape, or form and right. kind of that closeness that we develop inside mm-hmm. of ourselves. And number two is the action that is created on the individual as well. Right. When I tell you that I just don't care, it seems empty. And what is the action that happens on the opposite side of that whenever it looks over at you mm. and you have reached out trying to get help in some way, shape, or form, but I look at you and I'm just like, I just don't care. Mm. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. So these three words are very powerful. They're powerful words and they hurt and they drill down into the individual, not only in the brokenness of yourself, but in the brokenness of whoever you're speaking to. So the premise for our scripture on this was a parable that Jesus spoke. Mm. It was the parable of the good Samaritan. Mm. And I know it was a parable. You know, it was a story that Jesus told but there's so much truth in it, and there's so much that you can glean from this parable that it just absolutely amazes me. So we see three key players that take part in this. We see the man that traveled from Jerusalem as he was traveling on a journey on a road that was known to be a very dangerous road. Uh, as he goes on the road, he is robbed, beaten, naked, and left for dead. Hmm. Then the next character that we see show up is the priest. Yeah 
priest is he's going somewhere. He's got things to do. I mean, everybody that's on this road obviously had somewhere to go and something to do. Mm-hmm. They wasn't just on this road just, just to be out walking for a walk. I mean, they, had, they were on a journey. And the next individual that we see in this story is a Levite that comes by. And the last of all of these people, did I say three or four? There was four. <laughs> the last one that comes by well, was three the, good ones, or, or th- three that ignored, and then the fourth one. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So the last one that comes was the Samaritan man. Yeah. And as you talked last week and spoke about the Samaritans, my goodness, the Jewish people didn't want nothing to do with the Samaritans. They were not any, they didn't want anything to do with them. They would not even say Samaritan. And if you read this story, as Jesus told this story to a young lawyer, a lawyer, as he appealed to him on the law side of it, yeah. that's one thing about Jesus is he appealed and he knew who his audience was. Yeah. He knew who he was talking to. And he knew what was in man, and he knew the heart of man. So let's pause right there just for a second. Jesus, okay. Jesus' approach to, to, to an individual mm-hmm. was in the context of what that individual could, could understand and grasp and relate to. So he no. didn't have a canned response. Not at all. To certain, he didn't have you know, a, a, a business card for, or a playbook. Exactly. He, he literally crafted, and, and that shows how much he cared. Yes, about that individual, that lawyer, yep. because he 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 took the time mm-hmm. to not use a canned response. No, nope. what here it is in the word. Just read the word. The word. No, yep. he related to him where yes, in ways did. that he could he could understand. That was compassion, and it hit. It hit home. Yeah, I like what the apostle Paul said as he was speaking one time. He said, "I've become all things to all men." In other words, he said, "I know my group. Right. I know the Lord lets me see the group that I'm with." And the Lord gives me the ability to answer accordingly to the group I'm with. Man, that was Christ-like. Yeah. That's what Christ did. You know, I, mean, I think that's a beautiful point. But as Jesus spoke to this lawyer and he appealed to him on the side of the law and the lawyer at the end of this all, at the end of it all, when Jesus asked him the question, which one showed the most compassion? Mm-hmm. You notice the lawyer's response. He didn't say, well, the Samaritan that passed by. Nope. And he said his exact words was, well, the one that showed compassion. That's the guy that that's the guy that 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 was the most important right there, you know, but that just shows you how horrible that the name Samaritan was that they didn't even want to be no part of it. They wanted nothing to say about it. And it was funny that last week we let off you with the question of the day, the woman at the well, which was a Samaritan, which my goodness, Jesus, even his disciples that were with him was like, what are you doing over here with this Samaritan woman? Yeah. You're crazy. We don't want nothing to do with them. Right. But that just shows him breaking down molds. But getting back to this topic of, I just don't care. Mm-hmm. As we look at the individuals that pass by, the three that go by, we see the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. Number one, the priest. Let's talk about him for just a moment here. What do you think about this priest? Here he is on this road. He's on his way. And he comes by and he sees this man laying hurt, broken, naked, thrown out for dead. What What do you glean from the priest? So this priest, Anthony, could probably quote the Torah, the Pentateuch. Oh, yeah. Could could recite the law um, better than most mm. as a priest. He he knew the word, um, and and he struggled as many 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 do today. Is we struggle now? I'm going to say that I've struggled with this in, in years gone by, because as believers, especially in the Western culture that we live in, we segregate our our spirituality from our everyday life. 
we have a spiritual life on Sunday. And then when it goes through the week, we, we're, we're going through time, and we have theology without application. And I think that's something that this priest had. He had theology, some, some degree of it. I mean, he was very graduated from it. He, he started as a kid. This priest would have started as a 12-year-old kid, and, and he would have gone through, you know, under, underneath the rabbi, and he would have gone through the, you know, all the procedures of the temple, and he would have been very, very, very taught and educated in, but in, in the theology, he lost humanity. He lost the ability to connect with people. And I think that's a, that's a great example of, of so many of us today that we have probably all, all, especially all Christians have came to the place to where, where we're so engrossed in our Sunday school lesson or, or our, our sermon series or what our church is doing, the events the church is having that how many people have we walked by, driven by, that needed a word, needed a hand, needed love, and we walked by because we're late for church. We walk by because we're late for work. We drive by because, and I'm not, you know, it, it, it could be anybody. It, it, you know, it could be the guy on the side of the road that needs a ride. It could be, you know, you, you name it. And I'm reminded in Matthew 25, Jesus said it as loudly as, as anyone could. Um, I was hungry and you fed me not. I was naked and you clothed me not. I was in prison and you visited me not. And they said, when do we do this to you? And then he dropped the bomb on them. <laughs> and he said, as oft as you did to these, least to these, you did it unto me. That's what he said. <clears throat> I like something you said last week as you were opening up service. You said that if there had been a crowd of people gathered around, would the priest's response have been different? Oh, my goodness. He'd made, I'm sure he'd made broad his phylacteries. He probably prayed louder than anybody else. Boasted about the things that he did. Oh, I've fasted for this amount of time. Lord, I thank thee that I'm not like this one over here. Mm. I'm thankful that I'm not like this. If there had been a crowd, would his response have been different? almost guaranteed yeah because then he would have got credit for it <laughs> so do you think that we live in a society today that says um unless somebody sees it and i can get credit for it i'm not gonna do it if i can't take a selfie while i'm doing this mission trip <laughs> then why would i even want to be there oh my gosh you for those that are still listening <laughs> I just lost a lot more. If listeners. I can't get credit for it, why do it? Yeah, really. If nobody knows I did a good thing, why would I do a good thing? Because that's you know, yeah. And you know, I'm being facetious, just for, but, for oh, people yeah. to know I'm but being. I, but I think it's so true. <laughs> I mean, I think there's so much truth in that because we live in a society. Right. Let's be honest. That wants yeah. the selfie. I'm posting this on Instagram. I'm going to brag about this on Facebook. Yeah. I'm going yeah. to do the TikTok of it. I'm going to put a song to it, and it's going to show me doing all these great things. This, and I'm going to put it yeah. out there for the world to see. But that ain't reality. No, <laughs> no. I, I, I think the priest would have, you know, he would have gained some righteousness credit by doing that in front of people, yeah. and he probably would have did it. And and uh, that you know that 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 leads me to think because we we have to soul search. You can do good things with the wrong motivation mm -hmm. and still be praised for it. Yeah. And so I think all of us have to do a deep soul searching to say, I care, but why do I care? I love it. I, I care, Ugh. but do I care about the man? Do I care about the man laying there? 
Or do I care about what I'm going to receive by helping the man that's laying there? Yeah. And, you know, do I care because I know I'm going to get praise for it or credit for it or righteousness for it or God's going to bless me for it? Bless God. You know, do I do that so God will bless me or do I do that because I genuinely brokenhearted because that man is in a condition? And and I, I dare say that that, you know, the priest, the Levite, too. I want you to cover the Levite. Oh, we're I, I don't to want to, to ignore him. the Levite. You're getting ready to talk about him. So, I'm getting ready to ask so you about the him. Levi, <laughs> the, 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 the priest probably went through his head, as all of us have done at the red light. Okay, I'm going to say it. I've did it at the red light, right? Mm-hmm. You know, where you, you somebody's in need. And, and I, I say, yep, or that person's a drug addict. That person made the decisions that brought themselves here. That, you know, those words that we say to ourselves. Yeah. And we all have probably. If you've not, yeah, send us a letter and, and donate to the mission here because we need your help. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but the thing is, is um um that's probably what happened. This guy made a bad decision. He was probably out drunk last night. Mm-hmm. He's getting what he deserves. He gets He'll what he deserves. Right. Yep. So let's take a step forward. So the priest comes by, sees him, goes to the other side of the road to get away from him. Like, oh, my goodness. Look at this guy. I mean, he's getting, I love your thought. Well, he's getting what he deserves. So he walks by. Now, the guy's still laying there, broken, naked, hurt, left for dead. Then comes the Levite down the road. Here he comes, this great Levite. He knew the law. He had to. He understood the law. He knew everything about the law. And he came by, and then he kept walking by as well. What do you think of the Levite in this point? Well, I think the Levite was, you know, much much like the priest mm-hmm. um, in, in that in that um, he, he he could quote the law. His his job was to to you know um, he was a descendant of Levi, a, a student of the temple. And and again, it was a really similar situation. He passed he passed by him. He looked at him. He, even, he I think he even paused right a little bit and then and then went on right. Sure. And, and so I think that at the Levite again, uh, same same story, same story, different figure, different yeah. training, mm-hmm. different role in the in the temple, but nonetheless, still the tradition, the tradition kept him away from from actively serving. So we get past this Levite. He goes to the other side of the road and he walks by. Then here comes this dirty, no good, rotten, good for nothing Samaritan. I mean, this guy would, let's be honest, they would have said, well, he's just junk. He's garbage. He's no good. Here comes that old good for nothing Samaritan down the road. Now, remember who Jesus was talking to in this aspect here. He was talking to Jewish folks that would have felt this way about the Samaritans. So the Samaritan shows up, sees the man, and stops what he's doing and decides to help. What do you think of the Samaritan? Samaritan in this situation was a visitor. I mean, this is one of the things I want to call it. He was a visitor. This wasn't his hometown, and he was already uncomfortable. <laughs> he knew everybody hated him. He's already He was already super, like, weirded out and cautious because he's a he's a he's a foreigner in oh, this yes. land and he's wonderful. like dude i'm in this place and everybody hates me this is great. <laughs> oh yeah and and he was already paranoid 
Mm. So in his insecurity, I think that, um, you know, he had been, he was already in a position that he was already himself ostracized and, and put aside and, and felt all the emotions that come with that, the fear and the anxiety. And like, are they going to, you know, are they going to, are they going to hurt me? Are they going to laugh at me? Whatever that is. So I think he was already going through that, <clears throat> which is a reminder that many times what we will see throughout scripture and in the world, if you take time to look, most of the people that are helping other people are hurting people. Wow. So sometimes the broken are the ones that are the most likely to help the broken. The ones that think they have it together are the least likely to help the broken. <laughs> so I think this Samaritan here, his, his compassion was so resourced from his brokenness. And I think that's a, that's a reminder to us that sometimes Jesus allows us to be broken so that we can be reminded and, and we can empathize with someone else who is broken so that then we our heart opens up, our bowels of compassion open up to that person because we too understand what it's like to be broken. Now, the um, Jesus called out the Pharisees, called out the Levites, the priests, and, and, and John, John called them a brood of vipers. <laughs> and, right, yeah. and, and Jesus called them wide, wide sepulchers. Mm -hmm. and, and, but I think different times they were referred to as blind and, and mm -hmm. he blind the blind lead the blind, you blind right. guides. Mm -hmm. and, 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 but they were blinded to the fact that they were broken. Even Jesus mm -hmm. in Revelation said, know you not that you are blind, miserable, and naked. And and I think that that the the broken one that is that that is the Samaritan in this story, his eyes were open to his own brokenness, and thus and hence he's open. Wow. So then that brings us to a climactic point Man. in this <clears throat> is Jesus asked him who his neighbor was. He asked him what the law said. And he said, you know, the law says, you know, I'm to love this one, love my neighbor as myself. Yeah. Jesus said, you know, that's, that's good. You've done well. What does it take for me to inherit eternal life? Do this and you'll live, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. But what does it mean to be a neighbor? Who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? Obviously, then the lawyer's mindset, and according to the law and how he believed, his neighbor would be those of the same kindred, yeah. of the same nationality, the same country as him, the Jewish with the Jewish folks. These are my neighbors. You know, and, and when we look at society today as well, we look at our neighbors, the one that lives right beside of us, our friends, our family, our, our neighbors, the ones that are right beside of us, the one that I can walk outside with, I see him putting his garbage down every morning, I wave at him and say, hey, old buddy, good morning to you, how are you today? But that ain't what a neighbor actually means. Nope. And this is where your mindset has to shift. So let's get to the shifting part of the mindset. Jamie... Who is your neighbor? Well, I would have to understand the etymology of that word neighbor, Anthony. Can you help me with that? I will. So here you go. Your neighbor, according to the etymology of this word, is anyone in whom you may have a chance to encounter. Right. Now, I want you to grab that. Anybody who you may have a chance to encounter. Mm -hmm. So as I was on a plane headed to Denver this week... Uh, my wife asked me, she said, where are you sitting at? And I said, I'm sitting in the middle seat between two other guys, one on each side of me. She said, well, 
she said, what do you know about them? I said, all I can tell you is that they're both my neighbors. (laughs) (laughs) These are just two guys of whom I've had a chance encounter with on this airplane. (laughs) That's great. So your neighbor is anybody that you might meet on this walk of life. Anybody in this journey of life can be your neighbor, mm-hmm. according to what the meaning of the word means. So when right, Jesus right. looked at him and he told him, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. That means to love everybody. Mm-hmm. And the only one in the story, the parable that Jesus spoke of was the old good for nothing Samaritan. The one that was old throw out no good. He's the only one that loved like a neighbor. When everybody else would just keep walking by because they were too busy, they had too much to do, don't worry about it. Somebody else will get them. Somebody else will help them. And how many times have we done that in life, that we've seen people that needed help and we thought, well, they've got all these resources. They've got this. They've got that. They really don't need help. Somebody else that has more time will help them. Somebody else that has more time will help them. The priest, he had somewhere to go, somewhere to be. The Levite, he had somewhere to go, somewhere to be. So did the Samaritan, but the Samaritan gave of himself to help the one that was hurt. Because why? Because his neighbor was hurting. His neighbor was broken. His neighbor was naked. His neighbor was left for dead. And he decided in this moment of time, he had this great epiphany that, man, this guy was his neighbor and that he should show love and compassion to this broken man. Wow. As you begin to say that, I mean, what hit my mind was you went into the etymology of the word neighbor. Yeah. And then you describe you just described the Samaritan man and his interpretation of neighbor. Yep. So the Levite and the priest, you know, these dudes, they understood yep. and, and what they there there's a there's the law. Yeah. And then there's also other books that they, they drafted. They being the the the, the priests, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees rose up and they've got all different interpretations. They got their own sure. little things where yeah. they've interpreted. So the Jesus referred in that instance to a scripture. Oh yes, that was old Deuteronomy. Yes. Deuteronomy in That's the right. law. He referred yes. back to the law. Yes. So the interpretation of that law, the interpretation of that law by the by the Jews. Was, was an interpretation that was the most comfortable interpretation for them. Absolutely. And the <laughs> Samaritan interpretation was... Mm, radical. Radical. <laughs> and I think that God, throughout the Old Testament, was trying his best to remind the people that, that, that it's not, you know, that, that comfortable interpretation that you have is not necessarily the right interpretation. So, you know, here, here's an example who did he send during during the famine when when there was a great famine in the land during Elijah's day? Who did God send Elijah to? Oh, the woman, the little the woman and her son. She was a Samaritan. Yeah, the little Samaritan yeah. woman. That's right. Oh my goodness. She, she was a good she was a, she was a Gentile. Oh, she no. was she was but she was his neighbor. Oh. He goes to his neighbor Ouch. and he asks her for bread. You know, and, and she gives him the last co- you know, yeah. the story goes, the yeah. word, not a story that actually happened. The event yeah. goes. She gave him her last handful of yeah. meal and and, and oil, she made him a cake, yep. and she didn't know she was going to have any left. Right. The long, the long and short is, she went back the next day. She had enough. She had enough the next day. The next yep. day, and it sustained her the entire famine. Yeah, that was a gentile. 
Yeah. And then you had, you had, um, was it Naaman? You had Naaman, um, that was, that was dipped seven times yeah. in Jordan. Naaman was not a Jew. <laughs> that's such a good, that's Naaman such a good point. was not a Jew. And no. so there in that instance, God yeah. through Elijah two times mm-hmm. reminded the Jews, Hey, you got neighbors. Yeah. And, and they didn't catch it. No, they didn't catch it. <clears throat> so I think, I think that God is nudging, nudging, nudging. And then he goes all the way and says, you know what? I'm going to show the flip side now. You had a chance to help your neighbor and didn't, so I'm going to show that your neighbors are going to help you. And mm-hmm. that's that's what it's just neat to see all of that. And then Jesus goes to the Samaritan, you know, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, in like fashion to Elijah. And then here it is, the the story. He's t- trying to bring him around. Yeah. And he's loving him through it. He's yep. telling him, you know, how many years? How many times am I going to have to get this through to you? You've got neighbors. Yeah. And it's not your comfortable interpretation of neighbor. The people that's like you, that look like you, that talk like you, that act like you, that's the same color as you, that's the same class as you, you have neighbors. It's really bold. It's bold. And it is it uncomfortable? Oh, absolutely. Is it going to be comfortable? No. <laughs> I don't think that God called us to be comfortable people, though. I think he obviously he was radical in his teachings, is radical in everything that he did. And I believe that he wants us to be just as radical as he was to break that mindset and shift that over to those that are hurting and broken and actually need help. But I mean, how sad is it that I mean that this is this is the world that we're in. This is the world. It's not easy. The Samaritan just as easily could have walked by, left right. the man for dead, and the man would have died. Right. But he cared. Yeah. Now, let's bring it all back together. Do you care today? Do you care? Do you care that your neighbors, now that we know the true definition of it, right. do you care that your neighbors are hurting? Do you care that your neighbors are broken? Do you care that your neighbors are left for dead and naked? Do you care? Now you say, well, Anthony, what are you talking about? They're laying naked. They're laying naked on the side of the road. Maybe they may be, but you see them in their situations. You see them hurting. You see them addicted. You see them broken. You see them looking for anything they can find to try to fill voids in their life, trying to fill gaps, trying to reach for whatever they can reach for. But they're so broken. But you know what it is to have eternal life. Mm. You know what it means to have a gift that passes understanding. You understand what it means to have the holy power of the Lord living inside of you, but yet you hold it back from your neighbors? My goodness, you received a free gift that changed your life completely if you're a child of God. And if you don't know the Lord today, there's a free gift waiting for you. Yes, There's a free gift that's waiting for you yep. that will transform your life from a life of sin and despair to a life that has a different outlook, that has an eternal outlook. You know, and that, that's what gets me about this whole sermon about I don't care is that a lot of us don't care. I don't care if you're a Christian or not. I don't care if you're a pastor or not. I don't care if you're a deacon in the church. A lot of us don't care. Flat out. Let's be honest with one another. We don't care. If we cared, we would be out. We would be out in the highways and the hedges compelling them. Come to the feast. The feast is ready. Why did the Lord say that the truly the fields are white for harvest? But pray ye therefore the send laborers into the harvest. Send those out to your neighbors. Man, I'm about ready to preach. Preach. <laughs> I'll be quiet. 
No, I think that, that that's a perfect summary. And, and my answer to your question, Anthony, do you, do you care enough? Do you care? <laughs> I probably should care a lot more. So should I, buddy. And, I, it points and, right at me, too. You know, and, and that's the good thing about the Scripture, um, for those listening in. The Bible, and I know this podcast went a little bit longer than, than normal. We might break it up into two. We'll see. But here's the thing about the Word of God. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing asunder, yep. dividing. It, but, but here's also what it does. It, the Word of God is not a book. It's a collection. It's a collection of po- poems, songs, letters, laws, and it's all compiled over 1,500 years. You know, It's also compiled over about 40 different penmen with one author in the Holy Spirit. And it, so it's the, that's why it's been the bestseller since ever been, been ever since I've been tracking the bestseller list. So if you're listening in, and you don't have one, get one. Download the download an app. Get one, because this this scripture is going to teach us humans how to live life in a way that's victorious, in a way that is fulfilling, in a way that is whole. And all of us are lacking something. When we don't have the Word of God teaching, guiding, showing, there's principles. And, and these principles are powerful. So I love this Word because this Word is not... Sometimes we think we're reading it. Yeah. It's but it's reading. actually reading us. Yeah. So the, it's a mirror yes, that it shows us who we really are. Yep. And it challenges us day by day by day to continually strive under perfection. Now, does that mean we'll ever be perfect? No. no. Here's the here's the definition of perfect. The biblical definition of perfect is this. Progress. Mm. Moving forward. Yeah. Getting a little bit better. Getting a little bit coming to a little bit more surrender. Perfection is actually the, you know, if you don't know the, that's a whole other podcast. The biblical <laughs> definition of perfection, guys, is this, complete. Yeah. I need nothing else to be complete. Mm-hmm. Christ made me complete in perfection. So the word of God, guys, get one, read it. Anthony, thank you for bringing this this out today. And and last week was incredible. It, it stuck with me all week long. Me too. I want to care a whole lot more. Me too. I want to be like the Samaritan. Yeah, amen. All right, guys, thanks for listening in. God bless you. Until next time, keep going. Thanks for tuning in to the Cultivate Network podcast. Until next time, keep cultivating.